Hey everybody, it's Maddie C. Welcome back to the What Am I Making podcast. It's really wonderful to have you here. On this episode, I chat with Lillian Werbin, the president and co-owner of Elderly Instruments in Lansing, Michigan. We talk about being adopted, the staggering pain of losing a parent, and what it's like to be the caretaker for a truly sacred space. Let's get into it. Everybody, how you doing? It's your host, Maddie C. I hope you're well. I'm well. As I record this, uh, it is today, Wednesday, June 28th at 7:10 a.m. And I'm literally recording this and then posting it. I don't like to do these so late, but uh, if you've been paying attention, you know I've been a little bit busy. I am getting ready to leave on a 17-day house show tour um, tomorrow. So the tour starts Thursday, uh, June 29th in Lansing. Depending on when you listen to this, this may have already happened. Um, and then June 30, I'll be in Detroit. And then Saturday morning, July 1st, I head eastward toward Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And that will be the first of my solo shows. Uh, I am amazed that this thing is here. I've been planning this for months. I've been planning this since the beginning of the calendar year. Um, I am amazed and excited and anxious, and it's it's hard to believe, but it's happening. Um, like I said, I've been planning for months, and I just cannot wait to get out there and see all of you. If you want to come and see me, you can find full dates and uh, get tickets over at funaforrecords.com slash house hyphen shows, or you can always find me on the socials or go find me at whatamimaking.substack.com, which is our little home for what we do here. As always, this show is sponsored and powered by your financial support. Please sign up for a paid subscription today for as little as $6 a month. Uh, You can also become a yearly member where you just pay for the whole year at once. Or if you're feeling really generous and really want to help keep the uh, HMS Maddie C afloat, you can look at making a a donation for a founding membership. That, That is incredibly helpful. It's all incredibly helpful. I do have one new paid subscriber this week. Thank you to my friend, fan, and amazing supporter, uh, Therese Fantasia, who I will be seeing very soon, July 6th, in Kingston, New York. She and her husband, Scott, are hosting my show there. Thank you so very much to Therese. Uh, If you want to hear your name on the show... uh, sign up for a paid subscription and I'll probably give you a shout out. It's it's really that easy. Uh, I'm that transparent and uh, transactional. If you send me some money, I'm probably going to say your name on the show and say nice things about you. Uh, so far, I haven't lied, but uh, test me. Send me some money and let's see whether or not it... Uh, it 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 uh, touches or tweaks my moral compass. Let's see what uh, let's see what happens. Um, also, if you want to pick up a ticket for the shows or get a merch bundle or buy some other swag from my musical life, you can go over to fornaforrecords.com slash shop. Again, it's Phonofor. It's P-H-O-N-O-P-H-O-R-E records.com slash shop. Uh, all the stuff that you uh, buy over there does also help to run uh this little machine right here. Uh, as always, I know I say this a lot, and I always feel a little guilty starting the show with my begging, but that's that's just how we do it around here, I guess. Um, if you could like, like, rate, and review the pod wherever you get it, that is enormously helpful. Um, it's incredibly helpful if you're doing it in, especially in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Amazon. Those three are huge. Stitcher's another big one. So if you're listening into any of those platforms, really, if you're listening to any platform um, that's not just Substack, even if it is Substack, like it and and put a comment in there. The more you can engage with this and the more you can share it and interact with it, the more likely it is to wind up in the hands of people who might also enjoy it. Uh, don't forget the last thing that I will say. You can leave me a message. You can go to speakpipe.com slash what am I making and you can leave me a good old-fashioned voicemail. It'll use the microphone right on uh, your computer or your phone and uh, it'll let you record a message to me and it'll come in as an email. 
I'll get it and then I can maybe play it on the show or we can talk or we can start a conversation and I can hear what you're thinking about, what you're listening to, what you're making, what you're watching, what you're talking about, what you're seeing, what's exciting you. Um, I, I talk about all the time about how I want this to be a conversation. This is a great way for us to do that. So it's speakpipe.com slash what am I making? You've got a comment about the show. You've got a critique, a criticism. Um, you've got something nice you want to say, an idea. Let me know. Reach out. Uh, let's get into the meat and potatoes of why you're here, which is the guests. Um, I like to think that I'm a relatively charming and intelligent fellow, but the the real the real asset that I can provide here is that I I'm I'm lucky enough to know and um, be friendly with a number of really smart, talented, and interesting people. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Before I get into the official introduction, I mentioned to a friend the other day. Um, and he asked, you know, what what my plan was. Was I just going to interview people I knew, people in my life, you know, lots of people on this pod who, you know, people like my my friends, like like Jennifer Toms, who I just talked to, and my friend Chad Patterson, and um, I plan to have a conversation with some of my bandmates in the in the stick arounds and in Harbor Coat, and I've got lots of people here in the Lansing community that are doing amazing stuff, and I want to keep talking about it. And the question that this friend of mine asked me was, was I just going to do this until I could have sort of a regular cache of guests that were, quote unquote, more known? And he wasn't being a jerk when he asked it. He really wanted to know what my plan was. Was this a temporary thing? Was I just doing this until I could get maybe more well-known guests? And certainly the, the well-known guests help, help, help the show. Um, but what it really comes down to is I want it to be a balance between what I can do in terms of shedding light on these people that are doing amazing stuff and that are doing really interesting things that I know and that maybe are doing it under the radar. And then also having the chance to talk to people like Matt Berenson and Joe Pernice and Jared Yates Sexton and Mark Quint and Pete Dominic and Christian Finnegan and people like that. Those are great. And I want to continue to have those conversations. And I've got this whole list of dream interviews. But I don't want to dismiss or discount the incredibly smart and talented people who are doing stuff right around me every day. I don't want to take them for granted because they're here. And I think my guest today is a, a pretty damned good example of that. I talked to Lily Werbin because Elderly Instruments is a, is a central piece, not just of the Lansing community, but of the worldwide music community. And the first time that Lily and I were supposed to get together to record this chat was the week that her mom died. Naturally, we postponed our discussion, and I waited a few weeks, and I sort of gently reached back out again. And by the time Lillian and I were able to reconnect, I found her trying to keep Pepper the puppy, a dog that she had somehow inherited, entertained on a warm summer morning in Michigan. During our discussion, Lily fights with her home internet connection, Strolls the lovely grounds at the Waldemar Nature Center and even has time to track down a poop bag for Pepper's business while out on a walk. All the while, she maintains a wonderful disposition filled with humor, thoughtfulness, and charm. Although she is just 32 years old, Lillian Werbin is what I would describe as an old soul. And a wise one as well. Despite the effort to keep up with Pepper and outrun spotty cell coverage, this conversation is a window into one incredibly special family and the gift they have given to our part of the world in the form of elderly instruments. Elderly is a world-renowned institution that has been selling the finest fretted and vintage instruments for more than 50 years. The store is a playground for musicians and gawkers alike. It is a hub for the Lansing creative scene and beyond. To call it special would be to undervalue it. It is a sacred space. Lily gives us a deep dive into her adoption, her amazing parents and their lives, and her own story of growing up in a family with a unique legacy. She is a brilliant and engaging woman, and her love for her community, her extended elderly family are always at the forefront of everything she seems to be working on. Lansing is lucky to have elderly instruments, the Werbin family, and Lily specifically at the heart of our community. Here is a deeper look at my friend Lily, her life, elderly instruments, and her family's remarkable legacy. Enjoy.
Hello, my family? friend. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm. I am all right. Yeah. You know, I am. I went and saw my high school favorite band. Oh my goodness! Night. Who was it? Fallout Boy. No shit. I know, isn't that just silly? But that just, was your okay, Lily. That was your favorite band in high school. Um. Yes. <laughs> okay. No. No. I'm not judging or making you feel embarrassed for that. I. I'm trying to clarify. Uh. So what was it? What was it like to go see him last night? It was unbelievable. I'll be honest. And excuse the noise. My house is not. <laughs> good for all of this and my dog Dude. is being temperamental oh no worries at all is it is it is ben being noisy is that what this is about no so <laughs> come on Beth. go come on sorry you're totally so fine passed, i'll just explain hey it's <laughs> um, good to see you hello i'm leaving my house because if i sit there i it won't work um Understood. i've inherited this dog Okay, so yeah, I can. Yeah, what's the dog's name? Sergeant Pepper. That's fantastic. <laughs> Come on, pup. I'm going to chat with you, but I'm not going to look at you. All right, that's totally cool. All right, so so let's let's talk about Fallout Boy. So okay. <laughs> so you you got to go see your favorite high school band last night. Where was the show? It was in Chicago. It was a total whim. Um, last week, a friend from college who I haven't seen, I don't know, in a year, um, said that she had an extra ticket. And so I bit the bullet and I went. And I'm so glad I did. It was, you know, you dream of seeing your favorite band. And like, I have, I say that's what my favorite band, but I like whatever I'm listening to the most when I'm listening to it. Um, I, I just can't, I don't know. I'm not can't, loyal when it comes to me. You can't, uh, <laughs> I'm just it's, not diffi loyal. it's difficult for you to turn it off in the moment. Like the excitement bubbles up and you just can't kind of tamp it down. I don't think you should. I think that's kind of awesome. You know, I feel like people are embarrassed or discouraged to enjoy themselves. And like the whole point of going to a concert is to like feel it to the point of elation. You know what I mean? And it should be a religious experience, right? I mean, if it's done well, that's you the know? goal. Well, and I mean, like religious or healing or frankly, just like a good time because we don't get those and people don't celebrate them very much. And I don't know. I, I always feel like it's amazing to go to an event like that. And I don't love big shows. Like I went to go see the cure a couple weeks ago in Cleveland and it was, and it was incredible. And I don't normally like to go to big shows like that. I like smaller venues and you know, where you can be, it's a little more intimate and it's not quite so chaotic, but this was an exception to the rule and it was amazing. And what I find so incredible is like, how many times in our lives do we think about, okay, all 20,000 of these people set aside their lives to be here for this, right? Exactly. Like to me, I think we exactly. just, we, we like I get caught up in the, oh, it's a pain in the ass to park and it's really expensive and I don't want to buy shitty beer for $12 a can or whatever. But like at the end of the day, like shouldn't we kind of marvel at the fact that in a, in a fragmented world, 20,000 people put their lives on hold to go see a thing they're in love with? And, um, okay, that's exactly it. <laughs> I, let me tell you, these seats were on the field. We were in Wrigley Field. Oh, wow. And, and we're, we're down in the middle. And I like the opening bands, um, but they don't have, I don't know every word of every song, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, and so the show, the Fall Out Boy comes out. And they start playing like the old tried and trues. I say old tried and trues. I'm 32, whatever. Um, <laughs> like I said, I'm not loyal to any genre or, or 
band. I like it all. So, um, but it's, it was unbelievable to like see them still doing exactly what I know they do. And to hear, you know, thousands of people all around me singing perfectly to every little nuance, every, every change, they know the runs, they know the ad libs, they know, you know, like, yeah, it, it really is like, I don't know these people. These are all strangers to me, but boy, I think I know a little bit about every single one of them because we all feel the same thing when we listen to that music. So I don't know. I really needed it. I needed to pick me up. Um, as you know, my mom passed last month. And yeah. How are you handling that? It's been, oh, honestly, terribly. Okay. This might be the best I've felt since. I'll be honest. I, I'm glad to, uh, as your friend, I'm glad to hear that. I appreciate you. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, we're I, not supposed to be okay when our loved ones go. And she and I had a really, uh, really close friendship outside of her being my mother. And like, she wasn't just my mother. She chose to be my mother because I'm adopted. Um, and so in, in her passing, I lost many more roles than I thought, uh, or I had anticipated. Um, so it's been difficult. It's been, it's been a journey that, um, I'm, I'm, I'm navigating. (laughs) Um, I think that's a wonderful way to look at it in a way. I had this conversation recently with my mom, as I think you're aware, uh, a little less than three years ago, we lost my dad super suddenly. And, um, and the way that you put it about losing somebody more than just a parent, like you lose a friend and a mentor and a teacher and a sounding board and a playmate, uh, You know, I, I lost, I lost a travel buddy. I lost my baseball pal. You know, I like, you lose all these, they're all the, and you get that from other people in your life, but it's not the same because this is the place you got it first. Right. And so the way you say that you're navigating it, I think is beautiful because it is a little bit like being on a body of water. You don't get to control it. You simply have to figure out how you're going to find your way through the storm. That's all you can do. So do you feel like you're, do you feel like you're doing, <laughs> do you feel like you're doing that at least some of the time Weather where you're, the storm. Where, well, I mean, where you're able to kind of be present enough to navigate a little bit. I know a lot of it is just going with the flow right now. You know, um, I don't know. Huh. You'd probably have to ask the people who see me regularly, you know. Ain't that, the, ain't that always the way where you get the realest version of yourself from the people who love you? Yeah. Goodness. Um, can we, can we talk a little bit about, about your adoption, Lily? I'd love to hear sort of the origin story of you becoming a part of the Werbin family and how that happened and, and just kind of where it came from, from the beginning. Goodness. I wish I could tell you my dad's. Oh, I lost you there for a second. You there? heading out to the woods to walk around. Probably not great for connectivity. <laughs> yeah. It's all right though. We're making it work. You gotta take care of that dog. And 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 listen man, getting out in the uh getting out getting out into nature is good for what you're going through. It's good for everything, but it's really good for what you're going through right now. Kind of milling around this very area. That's that works for me if it works for you. Okay. We'll do all this. Right. All right. Sounds sweet. Okay. So let's go back we started to talk about your parents adopting you. So I think you started to say that your parents have been dating for a little bit. They got married and then we broke up. Yes. Okay. So um, my mother asked my father if he wanted to adopt a child and he said, sure. And then they did. Uh, That's the whole scoop. But um, they adopted me when I was seven weeks old. Wow. And so they are effectively the only parents I 
know or knew. I did meet my birth mother. Okay. Yeah, uh, thanks to my parents. Um, and we were able to forge a really nice relationship thanks to my mom, honestly. Um Okay, Lily, I, I I think I met your I think I met your mother just one time. Um, and it was very much in passing. But the the things that you have told me and the things that I have heard about your mother since she got sick and since she passed, the idea, and I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this by giving you a little personal story so I can tell you that I understand what this is like. My sister was adopted. Um, you can see from the size of my 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 giant cranium that my mother, who is five foot nothing and a hundred and nothing would have been killed to push another bowling ball out of her body like this. So she decided to have uh, a second child through adoption. And so we adopted my sister when she was not quite five months old. So it's a very similar situation to yours. And it was a total choice. And um, my sister's eight years younger than I am. And I, I've kind of watched her navigate some of these waters of finding out enough or too much or not enough, you know, that kind of stuff and trying to find a balance the fact that your mother had the confidence in you and humanity and the job that she and your dad had done to foster a meeting with your birth mother without feeling any sense of fear or uh, terror that she would change your relationship or lose it is just amazing to me. Oh, no, she expressed that to me. Um, she was very clear um, that, you know. She's she, still my mommy. But she did, but, but Lily, she did it anyway. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, my parents are really quite incredible. I've, I've gigantic shoes to fill. Uh, <laughs> well, let's, 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 let's dovetail there. So we've got these gigantic shoes to fill in just kind of finding a way to be the sort of gracious soul that your mother was. Like you've got that, you've got that legacy to live up to. And then you've also kind of inherited this rather sacred space that isn't just important to you and your family. It's important to an entire community and a really a world of people. So can yeah. we, can we talk a little bit about kind of the relationship you have with your dad and, and what you guys do for a living? Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh good old pop <laughs> i've learned so much in the last decade um from my dad that i really wasn't expecting um when i started working at the store i didn't work there as a kid um and i went to school in kalamazoo i went to western uh, okay. michigan university um and when I graduated, I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. Um, I knew I wanted to work for somebody I believed in. I knew I wanted to do PR, public relations. Um, I knew I wanted to protect people like me. And uh, I asked dad if I could work for him. You asked, said, you asked him, not the other way around. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, I asked. He said... I would be an extra body and please don't waste anyone's time. Oh, so okay. I didn't. Okay. I tried so in other words, not to waste anyone's time. In other words, um, uh, if you're going to be here, contribute. Correct. Don't just, and don't like, just be here because you're, don't just be here because you're Stan's daughter and take up space, like be here and, and we're all rowing exactly. in the same direction. And also, contribute as though this matters to you and you know it very quickly mattered quite a bit um he um what i, I think started is in the warehouse like doing like doing shipping well so i started in, yeah picking orders shipping and it's where i like realized how worldwide and like how many different communities our community is made up of. Um, yeah. And it occurred to me that like, wow, my dad and Sharon created this out of literally 
dreams. Um, and I really wanted to keep his dream going. Uh, so I got more involved. I went from part-time to full-time. I worked in the phone room and I worked in the showroom. I did a very small amount of marketing and purchasing, which are left to much more meticulous folks than I. Uh, <laughs> you and me both, my friend. <laughs> Holy cow. I got no, you know, I got no head for that. Right. Being a good uh, business owner means knowing your strengths and weaknesses and knowing when to trust and who to trust. Uh, I learned that wow, from my what, dad. What amazing from advice. They built this world. And I mean, like my mom built her own beautiful network of, it wasn't, it, they weren't musicians. They didn't right. tend to be musicians. Um but before she worked at Elderly, she was district manager for Social Security. Oh, um, wow. For the Social Security Administration. And retired to adopt me. Uh, oh, my word. So. Um, In many ways, you were her life's work. Our, our little. She would be so happy to hear that. I would be. I don't. She did many more things that are of note. <laughs> but I will say, I will say, Lily, as, a, just one as, a, as a parent, and, and that's a marvelous way to look at it. As a parent, if that's all I ever accomplished, it would be enough. Uh, you're getting there. You're there. <laughs> oh, thanks. I'm just saying that, like, it. we're, we're talking about you, like, learning the things that your dad and your mom built and understanding the impact and how, how big it is. And in reality, the biggest impact that any of us will ever have are the people that we change and touch in some way. And there's no way to do that than to adopt a child and to turn them into a beautiful human being like you. I appreciate that. I really you're, appreciate that. You're very welcome. So the store, I, we moved to Lansing when I was 12 years old. I didn't play guitar. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to play anything. And I think the first time I went okay. to elderly, I think the first time I went to elderly, I was probably in eighth or ninth grade. I was probably 13, 14 years old. And my dad and I were out and about and he went, have you heard of this place? And I said, no. And he said, it's supposed to really be something. My dad didn't play and we weren't really a quote unquote musical family. And I'd always been kind of obsessed with the idea. And I remember just walking in and it was the same sensation I felt the first time I walked into the inside of Tiger Stadium and I saw all that green grass and the blue seats and everything <laughs> felt so magical. Um, do you still get a sense of like that people, I mean, you see it every day, but people come in and still feel that every time they come in the store. That must be amazing to work around that every day. It it really is because it's not just the customers. Like we go into work every day feeling like, ah. <laughs> you know, like it's still work, but it's it really is a magical spot. And like magical is a kind of frou frou way to say that. But you you got decades of creativity and collaboration and hard work and. And, well, and, and you've got pieces of history on display for sale that people can take off the wall and play. Oh, yeah. That's Museums the other thing would be that's, more fun if we could touch stuff. <laughs> well, and this is one of the things that I'm always amazed by, you know, in going into that store for 40 years. And significantly regularly the last 30. I can tell you that nobody has ever said don't take that one off the wall and play it. Nobody's ever oh, come, no. nobody, nobody's ever come by and said, you need to be super careful with that. There's a sense of trust and understanding that everybody understands that it's a, it's a special place. And, you know, everybody gets treated with a certain amount of respect. It's not, um, there's no gatekeeping to it. It's really, it's, it's sort of the best thing about music is that it is this welcoming communal environment. Well, and, those are the communities and environments that are most endangered. I'm sorry, my dog just pooped and I don't have a bag. And now I have to run and find a bag. Pepper, <laughs> people are going to judge me. Come on. I have to get a bag, please. Oh, sorry. 
Um, you're, you're all good. I'm only talking about protecting communities, including <laughs> our natural environment. Including our natural environment from, from Pepper's poop. I mean, from any dog's poop, we got to pick them up so it doesn't contaminate the water. That's right. Um, <laughs> so the 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 sort of that that community at elderly, like I I have known disparate groups of people within that. Like, so there's obviously there's you know sort of your friends that go that are customers, and then I have known uh, kind of varying groups of people throughout the history. There was a time, you know, maybe 15 years ago, where I was pretty tight with half a dozen people that work there, you know, and it is, it is a family. Oh, I, I truly believe that. And I know businesses get a lot of shit. Sorry. Oh, you can swear. You can swear, please. Oh, okay. Uh, We were talking about kind of the community of, of elderly. And we were, we were talking about kind of how many different communities there are. So, Elderly is essentially 50 years old, yeah? Yeah, we'll be 51 next month. 51 next month. And um, what what was your dad's vision when he started it? What was the, like, what was the whole idea? Like, where was he in his life? What was he doing? And, and why a music store in Lansing? He and his partner, Sharon, were trading vintage shredded and stringed instruments like together out of the attic of a frat house oh my god um and so they thought well we're getting pretty good at this so maybe we did a living (laughs) and and they did that for a living wow and and then when did they actually get the 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 physical store location is that is that 72, 72 when that happens okay so they're doing yeah. this pre-72 and then they actually buy the space and then that's when they move in and they've been in that location for the entire time no so the first location was in east lansing oh right that's right the second, and then, right and so then the second location which is our current location um is in lansing on north washington avenue yeah right there town. right there in beautiful old town lansing um, and, and did it take right off? Like, I mean, like I said, I didn't kind of come along until the mid eighties and didn't really start buying guitars until I started learning to play until the early nineties. But like, was it immediately, like, how long did it take to become elderly instruments in quotes? You know what I mean? Like to have that cachet. Yeah, that's a good, it's a good question. He, he's very adamant that like they didn't sell, they maybe sold a pick the first day. Uh, maybe a set of strings and X, um, but uh, I don't know. By '75, we were shipping internationally and had a catalog, and and the catalog digitized becomes, our inventory. And dude, the catalog becomes like um, uh, a big like, deal. It it's got like a cult following, right? Like <laughs> I so, wish you could bring it back, but it's just. Not the world of print anymore. So expensive. Now, when those were at, at the height of popularity, were those coming out every two months, Lily, or was it quarterly? They did them. Originally, they wanted to do them quarterly, and I think they ended up doing them two times a year. Two times a year. Okay. Um, and, and then they got so involved that, that we did them once a year. Okay. Um, and when did you cease production I on the catalogs? Be wrong. 2015. Okay, so it really hasn't been that long. No. If okay. enough people yell at us, maybe we'll do it in 25. Don't hold me to it. Just kidding. Um, I have said that. <laughs> actually, that would be a really interesting thing to try to do to just try to offset the costs. Like if you had a, an audience that would pay for it, that would be fascinating. But I'm not going to put that work on you. <laughs> What I am going to do is I am going to put in the show notes, I'll put a gallery up of the awesome old covers that you guys used to do because they would often be, a, they would often be a reference to like a famous record cover or a famous moment in music. And so the staff would be on the cover often. And um, I specifically remember one yep. where they made it look like the cover of the Rolling Stones, let it bleed. 
and it was the big cake and everything. Yeah. And I, I remember the whole thing. And um, they're, they're so fun and so clever. And it used to be a treat when they would come in the mailbox and you would go, oh, the cover's so great. And then like, it got to the point where like, if you went to the store enough, you'd be like, oh, I know that guy. And there's Jeremy and there's Frog, you know, you'd see all these people that you knew. And again, it becomes that idea of community that is like, it's, it's at the heart of everything that's great in this whole fucking world is, is that you do it with other people. You got it. Um, so here's my, here's my question. It, when does, oh no, go ahead. Make it with other people. What's that? Well, I was just saying, you know, what is, it, does it mean anything if you're not doing it for or with other people? I mean, like self goals and all of that, but if you're not sharing it and reveling in other people's success and if you're keeping it to yourself, I think you're minimizing it, right? Totally. Totally. It's Um, just, it's one of those things where, you know, the longer, the longer I make the rules, the more I really don't like them because they just keep people from being themselves and they keep people from wanting to connect with other people. And that's not the role of a music store. You know, the, my job is to simply connect people, not decide this is the best genre. This is the best guitar. It's just what's quality is quality and what's good is good. And what's fun is fun. And you're you're also doing something that's very unusual. You are selling a thing that is designed to be a not only a piece of art, but also designed to be a tool that will last for a lifetime. I mean, I if, if you look up here, you'll see along the wall, that's just three guitars I bought from your fine family. That's just three of them, right? And I got more. Thank you. Oh, you're very, very welcome. Uh, I'm happy to do it. Uh, I would love to buy more. Uh, more people, by the way, get a subscription. I can buy more guitars from Lily's family. Sign up right now. <laughs> I can spend that money at elderly. This, this is great. This is perfect. Um, but free to come test them out first. Yeah. You gotta, well, okay. First of all, anybody who ever comes to Lansing, if you even like guitars and don't know how to play, you need to go to elderly instruments. It is, it is truly, it, it is, I believe it is a pilgrimage. I have brought so many people here who have come in from out of town, bands that come in tour. And I'm like, even if I can't go and they're like, where should we go in town? And I give them like, you know, I'm always like, well, go get, you know, this food if you want that kind of thing and go check out this other thing and then go to elderly and get even some strings or whatever. Um, Cause it's just a treat to spend an hour in there. It's just amazing. Um, but it doesn't just become kind of famous within our community. Like people from all over the world who are like incredibly famous people flock to this place. Can you it's tell true. me a little, we don't tell me, I don't want to name drop because I don't want it to be like that. But I think it's important to kind of tell the story of like, there's a reason when you build a thing and then you're the people that get reached out to, to go, hey, Pete Seeker's banjo got stolen. We need to get it back. And on a Saturday morning, I'm driving across town to get donuts or whatever. And I hear your dad on NPR going, <laughs> we're going to find this fucking banjo and we're going to get it back to this American treasure. And he did it. He did do that. <laughs> you know, that's our job, getting the instruments in people's hands. So we take that seriously. <laughs> um. Why do you, what do you think it is that draws people, whether it's Pete Seeger or, you know, I could name, and I don't want to name drop, but I could name 30 other people who, who either come regularly or who have made it a point to go, Hey, I'm in Detroit or I'm in Grand Rapids. I'm going to go to elderly and to come. I've been in that building when it's happened and you go, so-and-so's here. And again, I won't name names because I don't want it. I don't want it to be, Hey, if you go to elderly, you're going to see this person go to elderly because it's amazing. But clearly you might the thing is, we don't tend to treat the big names any different than the novice musician. Um, and I think maybe that's why people enjoy coming is because they know they're going to be treated correctly or, I don't know, like they're human with a passion or an interest. Um, 
I feel like not just in music, but like retailers forget that like we're in it to share a passion. We're in it because we all like the same thing. And we thought we could be a good conduit between the product and the people. And so I think we just, I think it, luck takes a lot of hard work, but we're lucky that we've always had staff and people in our community who truly just care about sharing the art, you know? It really is about the music and about the instruments when it's when we're in the store. And, and it's, it's really about- easy to forget that you can it's it's easy to forget that there are problems and difficulties and stress that we can't and to escape but music does let you do that and camaraderie lets you do that and when two people know how to create the same art but they do it differently and they then collaborate on it and you know it's we get a little portal to a new whenever we want and I think that there's this amazing sort of bond that happens between people when you're not using a conventional language, you're using music or song or even poetry or, you know, uh, it, you know, I, I, I grew up before I was a musician, I was, I was really involved in theater and it's, it's that thing too, where you turn yourself over to the moment. And again, like we were talking about with the story, you're all kind of rowing in the same direction. That is so rare anymore. And so to be able to have that opportunity to be able to sort of give yourself over to other people and to have the safety net of a song where you don't have to go, I'm going to open myself up and be totally vulnerable. And you have to be afraid of what I'm telling you. I'm going to do that with this three and a half minute piece of music. And you're going to play with me. And we're going to tell each other that we love each other without ever saying it. It's a different world. Um, People who familiar don't know what that feels like and so to give a snippet of that feeling is kind of our job you know do you feel in a way that that in addition to just you know sort of the 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 widget of selling guitars and strings and straps every day that you're you're kind of selling that connection that 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 really is is the product that elderly sells is that is that sort of cosmic interconnection between people through music? I think so. Or I think that helps do what we do. Um, I mean, I mean, I guess in some respects, I don't think you would have had the longevity and success if that wasn't what you were doing. I, I completely agree. And I mean, those who have stayed around or who are creating new versions of what we're doing or doing it differently um frankly if they keep the people in mind like how can we complain more people focusing on the community is truly a good thing um and having a having a willingness to accept what that community might look or feel or sound like Totally. Which is also another thing that's been a really, I think, integral part of what you've been doing at Elderly, which is that it's been not necessarily a political organization, but it's always been really welcoming to everyone, regardless of of political affiliation or uh, sexual orientation or, you know, obviously skin color and uh, religious viewpoint, all those things like it's you're here for the you're here for the music. Welcome. Welcome to church. Well, and then it's kind of the thing, like people who we have people who come in and don't act accordingly (laughs) Uh, and they don't have a good experience because it's on them, honestly. And I would Uh, guess that those are people who don't generally return. um, You'd be surprised. Okay, so these are. You get more flies with money. Um, we turn around any negative interaction if with a little honesty and accountability you know um wow that's Uh, that's very sage advice um it's amazing too what a little kindness can do mm -hmm. and we're not in it to you know like we're not here to force anybody to do anything (laughs) we're here to we're just here to help as needed and so it's the kind of thing where like if 
people feel that we're pushy or or they don't like the answer we're giving them, that's more a miscommunication than anything else most times. Because um, re- we, we're really out to communicate well about what that customer would like or what that community member needs for this festival or where can we mutually meet each other in promo? Where can we mutually meet each other in pro? You know, like there's... There's so many ways to collaborate and very few limitations when it comes to music and art and performance. There's so many roles and things for people to do that (laughs) when people exclude others, it's, that's a really, that's a choice and it's hard to do these days. It's, it's, you gotta uh, decide to exclude. It feels so like, I, I mean, I mentioned the phrase earlier, but it feels so limiting to me. Like, it just feels like you are cutting off mm-hmm. so many possibilities and opportunities through your, and I'm, I'm not going to even call it hate. I'm just going to call it ignorance and fear. And then that eventually mm-hmm. turns, it eventually turns into hate um, or distrust or whatever. But like, I, to me, the, one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you, Lily, was that your family and that store and your personal story are just such a great example of openness. And I think that the thing that I've learned in, in really kind of working on this project for the last few months and kind of talking to people about this stuff is that that's the difference between a good life and a great life, is that openness, that willingness oh. to, um, to say yes to things that might be a little scary or that seem a little different. And- More uncomfortable. Yeah. Signing up to be uncomfortable is not inherently human. Um, oh, wow. Um, is, you know, like we put ourselves in temporary situations knowing that they'll end. And that's the type of, you know, change we'll accept. But when change is put upon us and we don't have control over it and there's no end in sight, people tend to feel combative or or defensive because they should be it's a little bit like what happened during during covid right like for for a while it was novel it was like oh we get to all stay home and then after a while we all got sick of it and we got pissed and some people got more pissed than others and started to behave in pretty petulant and childish ways Uh, and and as you said that's a choice yeah when my staff is afraid that they're going to be assaulted for mask regulations or number of bodies in the government regulated place uh <laughs> you know like the government was telling us what we had and had to do for a good while and people took it out on my staff which is where i don't that's where my patience with with discussion gets a little low um i don't well, like we have to have an inherent level of respect for us to be able to have a conversation. Bingo. And respect, there are all these respect is given, respect is earned. Respect is just respect. You can um, earn it, give it, take yeah, it. Yeah, respect is respect is earned. It's also it's also an innocent until proven guilty situation, too. Like you I deserve your respect for being a human being until I otherwise have not earned it. Right? Like, unless I, mean, I show up and behave in a way in which I completely disrespect you, you should, we should be respectful of each other. It's not hard. That's a good place to start. I mean, there are people in the world who would slaughter me on site if they had the chance and could get away with it. I sure. don't have any ill will against them. Um, they don't know me. And because they don't know how to take the time to get to know me, that's just a threat I live with. Um, And that's kind of where my patience and my tolerance comes from is because if I'm going to expect people change their ignorance or educate themselves further so that they know or they're better equipped to to engage in society, (laughs) trying to be nice. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, you are. (laughs) I just, I can't live in a constantly combative world, especially when race or gender or sexuality or uh, anything that's marginalized and under attack, frankly. Um, 
those are just the labels I fight on a regular. So, um, and uh, and it but, is a it is a matter of being able to say, look, I I have to have some some guidelines. I have to have some lines in the sand that you will not cross that are not acceptable. And then there right. are there are responsible ways to respond when that line is crossed. Um, well, laying boundaries about communication. And people don't have to respect your boundaries. You also don't need to continue to communicate with them. That's correct. Um, yeah, that's so well, that's how boundaries are supposed I, to work. Mm-hmm. Supposed to work. <laughs> Bingo. Um, so so the 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 store is is kind of this world unto its own, right? What I'm what I'm especially curious about is you've come on and been involved, as you said, in the last 10 years. During a time where retail has changed. Almost irrevocably. And I know and I know you don't think of yourself as, quote unquote, a retail store. I don't. I think of you as a sort of this amazing third space that also sells stuff. Right. And so I understand that I I need to buy things and I choose to buy things from you guys because I want it to continue, mm-hmm. but it's a really difficult time to be a brick and mortar retailer. Completely. Can you talk about that a little bit about your challenges uh, and what you're seeing? I mean, it's as everybody would expect, I'd say, um, you know, we have issues getting product and we have issues with nice people. And luckily I don't have the staffing issues that everybody else seems to have. I have an amazing amazing team of people who really care about others and the music and the instruments uh you can tell that people interacting well is my goal and primary focus um, uh, it's good leadership lily i appreciate that it's uh, i mean i mean they're 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 really i think a lot of people lose the soft skills of leadership of setting an example of we want a comfortable environment where people feel safe and can feel welcome to contribute their ideas but they also understand that they have to work within the structures of a larger group of people. Yeah. And um, that's a really hard lesson to learn and an incredibly hard lesson to teach. But if you live it like you do, I, I think you're doing a pretty damn good job of showing them how they're supposed to do it. And if you keep talking about this idea of, you know, equity and community and sort of like the importance of, of place and uh, connection, you're going to have a really hard time screwing this up. It may, it may not be, what it is now because of the changing world, but it won't be because you failed. Well, it'll still, here's the thing. I, I don't foresee a time where elderly isn't around. Um, that is wonderful to hear. And mostly because it's a people driven store and people, I mean, when the world gets obliterated, you know, we won't need to be around, but, um, in the big scheme of things, it's, that's all the focus is. If you focus on that, you know, who worries about the other stuff? Um, it's a little bit like sort of, uh, I, I, <laughs> I don't want to make it about politics, but I, I, I heard a, a quote the other day from a woman, you familiar with Nikki Haley? She's a Republican, former governor, and she's running for president. She's one of the nominees. And she was bragging about the fact that she didn't have any kind of like moral guideline in her life. She was she was sort of talking about the fact that she didn't have sort of a guiding principle. And mm. it was it wasn't just that that wasn't a problem. It was that that was a an asset that she was malleable. And I just thought, well, that's that's what's wrong with a person like that, that you don't have a basic principle, whether that principle is you know, the golden rule or Christianity or Judaism or something else. But like this idea that you can sort of float through life and just do whatever seems to be transactionally convenient or appropriate for you doesn't tend to lead to lives like yours and your parents in a place like Elderly Instrument. I think it's just an immature mindset. You know, like I, I'm going to go ahead and say, I don't agree with her politics. But I would assume to somebody, she's a good person, you know, (laughs) and like she cares about her friends. And I have to hold on to that. People 
have good qualities, even if I don't see them. Um, and moral, co- I live by an unbelievable moral code that I can't seem to shake. And my husband, do you think, at, that, do you think at times that that holds you back? Um, <laughs> no, a complicated answer. I'm not sure I could answer it. Fair enough. I don't think so. Okay. Do you my think husband jokes that like, <laughs> well, never mind. No, go ahead, please. <laughs> it's, uh, he says I come up with new rules every day and then we all have to live by them. And I don't, <laughs> I don't drop new rules. And then we're all just bettering ourselves again. And I'm like, well, what's wrong with that? We're just, we're just out here to grow, right? I just want to grow up some more. <laughs> uh, what does that mean? Growing up? Yeah. Well, apparently, I don't know. Because I thought this was when we did that and that I'd be done with it. And I'm oh, not. <laughs> would, you like to, would you like to hear my recent discovery about this? Look, I... T- did we all discover it? Because I said to my dad, um, you didn't warn me how awful adulthood could be. You got to be really focused on being kind and forgiving and loving and patient. And these are things that, like, frankly, I was not always. <laughs> I have done a lot of. You were young. Work. Yeah. So I, I had this. I had this. Con- I oh, sorry. But, but- let me just say, I don't think age is a reason to be an asshole. Um, I, I, I was not allowed to be an asshole in front of my parents, or if they found out I was an asshole behind their back, I was in trouble. Um, because that's not what we're supposed to do in the world. No, fair so, enough. That's true. I, I just feel like people don't have to live by their fear or their angst or their madness. Because... Um, and maybe that's rude of me to to think. Maybe it's harder for some than I give credit for, but I live. But I think a lot of that is the deliberation of not thinking about it at all. It's not that you've made a bad choice. It's that you have, it's that I think that, and I've, I'm not even going to put this on other people. I'll put it on myself. I have gone through periods of my life where I have made decisions out of reaction, not out of deciding the kind of life I wanted to have or the person that I wanted to be. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think there's, it's problematic if after that moment, there isn't a moment of reflection to not have that exact same moment happen again. Oh, you are all over it, sister. You are, you are so on top of it. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the conversation that I had recently about this growing up thing that I think might, might hit for somebody who is uh, one high school graduate younger than me. (laughs) And that is, I believed growing up that adulthood was a place you arrived at. Yeah. That there was like this, like it was the, the joke I had with this woman I was talking to a few months ago. I was like, it was almost like we got in the car and you were on a journey and you were on your way to adulthood and they were going to take you there. And then they were going to drop you off when you were like 25 or whatever. And you were going to be there and it was all going to be adulthood. And it was all going to kind of stay the same for the next 50 years. And that ain't at all how it fucking works. Like, even a little bit. That's not how it works. No. And why did they pretend like they didn't warn us? They just didn't warn us. No. And I I think a lot of it, too, is that they didn't know and they don't know. And that they're afraid to say that. That somehow that will give up the game. Well, and that's a tale as old as time. You know, (laughs) there Nobody, the the older generation never likes the younger generation's politics, nor their music choices, nor their clothing choices. It's just part of it. It is, it is absolutely the natural order of things. Um, Lily, thank you so much for, for talking to me and for, for telling me about your family and this place that is so special to me and to so many people in, in the, in the city and in the world. Um, I just I appreciate hear- it. Appreciate it so much. I hope you got what you needed because I, I truly enjoyed chatting with you. And if ever you want to do it again, let me know. There she goes. Lily Werbin of Elderly Instruments. How great was that, huh? Parenthood, adoption, community, sacred spaces. That pretty much is uh, 
that pretty much ticks a lot of boxes of what uh, what I'm trying to do here. Don't forget, uh, I'm going out on tour. Go to phoneoffourrecords.com slash house hyphen shows to find all the dates and get tickets. Buy some merch. You can even send me a tip on PayPal and Venmo. I'll put that in the show notes. You can uh, you can send me a little gas money or uh, some cash for a pint or a snack. Um, that's much appreciated. Of course, the best way to support this little endeavor is for you to support with a paid subscription. So go to whatamimaking.substack.com. Make sure you sign up for a paid subscription today so we can keep this thing rolling. Thank you again to all of you for being here. Thanks for pressing play and listening. Thanks for reaching out. Go to speakpipe.com slash what am I making and leave me a message. We're having a lot of fun here, kids. I'm, I'm really having a blast. Um, I said I was going to do two posts a week till we got to the end of June. And uh, over the last month, I think I've done one pretty much five days a week. So I'd say we're ahead of the game. Hey, gang. Thanks again for being here. I love you all. I'll see you next time. And that there was a production of Matt S.E. And his ADHD as well.